Hey, man. I, uh, I've been your pastor for 15 years now, and I, when I came here, I, realized, I did not realize the way I realized today um, the cost of being in the military. And so, so many of you have lost brothers and sisters, and can we just honor them one more time, the lives, their sacrifice, all that they've done. Come on, stand, let's stand, and, let's stand to our feet and give one more round. It's worthy of our celebration. If you are, you may be sitting, if you're one of those family members, just know we're thinking of you. This weekend is, uh, you know, people need to learn which weekend holiday is which. In Memorial Day, we, if you wanna get your grill out and cook, that's fine, but just some, at some point this weekend, take a moment and reflect on the tremendous sacrifice that's been made for our freedom. And I think that's, that's appropriate and it should be warranted in our church for sure. Also, uh, I wanna take a moment and let you know that we are praying and grieving. I just, I told someone that, uh, this morning that I think Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week, it's been a long time since I have felt such uh, emotional emptiness, just grieving the sadness of the shooting in Uvalde. And I, uh, I wondered, I, I, even on Thursday, I thought about, well, maybe I just need to preach a message on violence and evil and grief and the Lord said something to me very clearly and he affirmed it yesterday. He said, Brady, we're gonna live in very dark times. And I've said this to you for 15 years, if you've been listening, that the, as we get to the end of the Lord, when Christ returns, he's gonna come back to a very dark world with a very pure church. That the church is actually going to get brighter, pure. The, the church is gonna rise up in strength but the world's gonna get dark. And I thought to myself, the best thing I can do for you and for me is to preach on the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit more today than I've ever needed him in 55 years of living. You and I together need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed him before. And so I'm gonna continue teaching on the Holy Spirit and I also wanna invite you to First Wednesday this Wednesday night. We're gonna gather in this room, be a, you know, a thousand or so of us in this room. And if your heart is mourning and there's sadness in the room and you're, you're wrestling with grief and you just need a place where you can refuel, that's what First Wednesday was designed to be. We've been doing First Wednesdays now for six and a half years. And every time we gather, it's kind of a joke around here. On our way home, I say, I tell Pam, that's the best First Wednesday we've ever had. And then every other, every other month, I'll get in the car and go, that's the best first Wednesday I've ever been a part of. So if you've never been, you need to come this Wednesday night. It's an hour, 6.30 to 7.30, worship and prayer. It's a place where the spirit is thick among his people. It's a place where you can get refueled, where you can recover. Okay, is that good, is that good for you? All right, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last Sunday, I thought Pastor Glenn did a brilliant job of talking about spiritual gifts, of who they're for, what they're used for, how they are to be manifested and, and it really strengthened inside the local church. So if you did not hear last weekend's message, make sure you go to YouTube or one of our channels, check it out. I thought it was fantastic. I listened to the entire thing, thought it was great. So I'm going to take what he said last week and build upon it. And go to, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But 
I, I, the question I have before we dive into this text, and we're going to pray in just a moment, but I'm going to ask a question first. What is a spiritual gift? Now, Pastor Glenn gave you his definition. Mine is very similar, but I just want to remind you as we talk about spiritual gifts today, what is it that we're talking about? It's the Holy Spirit at work. Listen, the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is not a, uh, a you know, a, 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 a something sitting on the ground or being immovable. The Holy Spirit's moving and moving in us and through us. So the, a spiritual gift is the Holy Spirit at work in us. Say us, please, us. Collectively, the community. You notice that I did not say the Holy Spirit at work in me. He is working in me, but the Holy Spirit wants to work in us, bringing us into community. That's what makes the church so unique in the world. We are a diverse group of people from diverse backgrounds, yet the Holy Spirit is able to come in among us and cause all of us somehow to come into a place of unity. You realize we all just sang the same songs? I mean, you know, section two wasn't singing a different song than section 11. We're all singing the same songs. We're saying amen at the right time because why? We're not, it's not because we're robotic, because we're in unity. So that's how the Spirit's work among us. So the Holy Spirit at work in us in a particular way to do two things. And if these two things are not happening, it's not the Holy Spirit. So you, this is how I know the Holy Spirit is at work. Jesus is being glorified and people are being strengthened. If Jesus is not being glorified and people are being harmed, it's not the work of the Holy Spirit. But when the Spirit's at work, Jesus, you walk out of here talking about Jesus and you feel the strength of God. You feel, not only are you feeling stronger, you feel the people around you are stronger. All right, does that make sense to you? All right, let's read this passage of scripture. We're gonna read 1 Corinthians 12, verse one, and verses four through 11. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to remain ignorant. That's, say amen if you're okay with that. <laughs> verse four. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, let me stop here just for a moment because I wanna put something to rest. There's not one person in this room that the Holy Spirit can't use. Amen. Let me say that one more time because I only got like 12 amens there. <laughs> the whole, let me say it in a simpler way. The Holy Spirit wants to use every human being in this room. Amen. All of you. All of you, all the inmates that are watching live online right now, you don't have to wait till you get out of prison for the Holy Spirit to fall upon you. You don't have to wait till you get out of the hospital before the Holy Spirit falls upon you. You don't have to even come inside this building necessarily. The Holy Spirit wants to work through every person who was created in the image of God, which is every human being. So, so now each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, listen to this again, for the common good. So it's not about me, it's about us. To, to one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing 
by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, uh, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, we're almost done. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. All right, let's pray together. Father, first of all, we are so grateful for the Holy Spirit. And we welcome the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're so very thankful. And we need the Holy Spirit at work in us now more than ever. So come, Holy Spirit, make these scriptures come alive to us. I pray that our eyes would be opened on this Memorial Day weekend, that our hearts would grow strangely warm inside of us, that you would give us spiritual discernment and understanding. Help us, Lord, to find the life that you're trying to give us and let us hold on to it with all our might. And we ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so this Sunday, I'm going to talk about half of what we just read. And next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the second half. We're going to cover all these gifts. And yes, I am going to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues next Sunday, okay? So invite your friends. That'll be a good one. Because a lot of you, actually what I've found, I've got a lot of questions from some of you that you've never been taught about it. Well, the Bible talks about it. So I, I, what the guarantee that I've made you at New Life is the Bible talks about it. I will talk about it. Is that good? Is that as good as good enough? So that's next Sunday. So we're going to talk about these three gifts today, though. And the first gift that I want to talk to you about is the gift of wisdom. Listen, New Life Church, right now, one of the great concerns that I have as a pastor is that we are not discerning the wisdom that we're making decisions without the spiritual gift of wisdom manifesting itself in your life. Listen, all the 20 and 30-somethings, please listen to you. I'm, I'm old enough to be your dad, and that's hard for me to say, but I am. I'm that old, okay? So let me give you some dad advice. The single greatest thing that you can welcome into your life right now is the spiritual gift of wisdom. Listen, all the, that's for the 20 and 30-somethings. All the 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-olds, listen to me, okay? I'm old enough to be your brother. I'm, not, I'm young enough to be some of your sons. The greatest thing you can do in your life right now is to invite the spiritual gift of wisdom. If you need wisdom, would you please raise your hand in the room? We need it! And the Bible says if you need wisdom, ask for it. Way too many people are trying to make decisions without God. We're, in fact, we make decisions without God, and then we ask God to fix our bad decisions. Come on, somebody, I needed more amens than that. That hurt. I know, I know that was painful. I know that was painful. Not, not all the, is it going to be painful, but that was painful. We ask God to fix the decisions that we made without him. But the gift of wisdom is this special ability to give wise counsel. So let me show you this story. I love this story in Luke chapter 2. It's one of my favorite. Jesus gets lost. In fact, the only story we hear about Jesus from the time he was born until the time he was baptized is this story. In Luke chapter 2, after three days they found him, he gets lost at the mall, basically. 
Now, can you think about Mary and Joseph just for a moment? I, I think this is funny. They're walking back to their house and they look around and go, where's Jesus? Well, I thought he was with you. Now, there's some parents in the room that this has happened to you before I know. I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. But where, where is our child? The problem is he was God. They lost God. God said, I can trust this couple with my son except at the mall. But after three days, they found him in the temple courts. Listen to this. Sitting among the teachers. Now, you know that he's God because there's not a 12-year-old in this room that would go sit with the teachers. <laughs> listening to them. This is, this is how you know he's God. He's listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Leave that up just for a moment. I want to say something to the under 18 crowd. You don't have to wait to get older to be wise. Wisdom has nothing to do with your age. In fact, some of the most foolish people I know are my age and older. And some of the brightest, wisest, most mature and discerning people I know are very, very young. Listen, I just got good news for you. The Holy Spirit's not waiting on you. The Holy Spirit is pursuing you. And you can have all that you want from the Holy Spirit right now. 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you can welcome the work of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit right now. Verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Leave that up for a moment. Listen, this is what happens when you begin to welcome the work of the Spirit. You begin to see yourself get promoted in ways. Listen, let me tell you the people that I like to be around, the people that I work around, the people I enjoy spending time with. These are young men and women, older men and women, doesn't matter the age, who are seeking after the wisdom of God. And let me tell you what happens in their life. Their life starts becoming remarkable. There's just something about them that sets them apart from the people around them, their peers. And the reason it's not because they're better looking or they're smarter, it's because they're chasing after something that's, that's more, that's powerful. They're chasing after something that's rich. They're chasing after something that is powerful in their life that changes them. They're chasing after the wisdom of the Lord. Wisdom is the ability to find yourself in a confusing set of circumstances and to make sense of it. Now, I'm not gonna to touch on politics necessarily today, but we do know that we have a gun violence problem in America, right? Can we say amen to that? We have a gun violence problem. We have a violence, we have a problem with violence that's often manifested by guns in America. What we need right now is not partisan bickering. We don't need to be fussing and going to our corners and yelling at the other people. What we need are some clear-minded, clear-eyed, godly people to sit in a room and close their eyes and say, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. Because we're trying to solve complex problems with, with social media posts. Listen, we have some complex issues in America. And that's just one of them. I can name a dozen more. And what happens is, is we get into partisan bickering. Us versus them. That's not wisdom. Wisdom says, let's get the smartest people in the room. With, and let's sit down 
and not yell at one another. Let's sit down and ask for wisdom and how can we fix these complex problems that keep surfacing in our culture. We've given up on wisdom and we're paying the price for it. Listen, the moment you start trying to build your life on sand, your life will turn into chaos. The Bible says, put your feet on the rock who is Christ Jesus, and then when the rains come and the storms come, you will not be moved. He's talking about living a wise life. Wisdom says, put your feet on the rock and stand there and plant yourself there and you will thrive. Hey, here's the second thing. That's the gift of wisdom. The second thing he says, the Holy Spirit wants to give us the gift of knowledge. The ability to understand things now, is different than wisdom. Wisdom is helping me make decisions, helping me navigate difficult places. Knowledge is where I can have the right information. Do you know that most of us could make the right decision if we had the right information? You know that most of your relationships could be healed if you really knew what was going on with the other person? The reason we, don't get, we have broken relationships is you really don't know what's going on with the other person. But when God shows up and shows me, I've been married almost 33 years, and the reason Pam and I have been married for 33 years happily is because from time to time, in my prayer time, and I pray for Pam multiple times a day, not just once a day, I pray for Pam all day long. And oftentimes the Lord will say, hey, when you get home today, tell Pam this. Make sure you notice this about Pam. Make sure you say something to Pam about this. That's the gift of knowledge. The Lord's saying, I need you to know something about Pam. I want you to know something about Abram. I'll tell this story, and Abram doesn't mind me telling you the story. Uh, one day, he was, it was probably 10 years ago. I could just tell something was wrong with Abram. He was up, upset about something. So I took him to lunch. My, his mom and I, we took him to lunch, and we sat in a booth. So me and Pam, me and, me and his mom are on one side, he's on the other side, and he's upset, and he won't tell us why he's upset. So I said, Abram, um, go wash your hands, and when you come back, if the Lord tells me what's wrong with you, will you be willing to talk about it? He goes, okay, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me anything. So he gets up to go wash his hands, and I said, Father in heaven, what's going on with Abram? And pow, just like that, a bright picture showed up in my mind. I saw it clear as day. I mean, clear as day. He walks back in. I said, and I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I know you're wanting to know, right? But that's, and, sh and shame on you for wanting to know. I'm joking. That's personal between me and Abram. But I told him exactly what was going on in his life, and he melted in front of me. That's the gift of knowledge. I, listen, I asked the Lord, Lord, I need to know something which gave me the ability to help him. You see how this builds up the body now? See how this builds up your family? See how this can salvage your relationships? Instead of assuming something about another person, instead of being suspicious about another person, why not ask the Lord to show you? Father in heaven, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I want to know what's going on with them so I can help them. All right, let me show you this. Jesus did this with the woman at the well. John chapter four. This is one of the rare times that Jesus is by himself with another woman. This is one of the, in fact, one of only one or two times. So he finds himself alone with a woman. He said, he told her, go 
call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. Now he had that as knowledge. He wasn't saying that to her to embarrass her or to shame her. What happened is she realized that she was sitting with a spiritual man. Suddenly, her spiritual eyes were open to spiritual conversations because she realized that only by the power of God could he have known that. You see, this is a miraculous moment. When you have information that you can use to open up their heart. I gotta tell you one more story. This, this was, I was a young pastor at a church in Texas and we had this guy his spiritual gift every Sunday was complaining. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he was the, mo he was the best at it that I'd ever heard. He, he could teach master classes on complaining. And nothing, no matter if it was the most epic, most powerful, anointed service of all time, he would find me after the service and just nitpick it to death. Just nuance it, nitpick it. Finally, after about several months of this, I was really kind to him, trying to like, hey, we're not perfect, we're human, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to help the guy. Finally, I just said to him, you know what, you and I need to meet. Because he started getting, he started getting hypercritical, naming names and really lashing out, being, being extra biblical and just being mean. And I, I had made up my mind, he needs a spanking. <laughs> he needs a pastoral rebuke. And he was about to get one from me. So this is no joke. I, it's a one o'clock appointment. I get back early from my lunch. I'm sitting in my office and I'm ready, man. I am ready. I'm an Enneagram eight and I like these meetings. I love them. I'm fired up for them. I'm about to lash out on him some godliness. All right, I'm sitting there and then I made the mistake of praying over him. I said, Father in heaven, his name was Mark. I'll never forget Mark. I can see Mark's face right now. Father, what's going on with Mark? And the Lord showed me a nine-year-old boy hiding under his bed, hoping that his dad wouldn't find him and beat him. This boy was terrified when I, I saw a boy terrified under his bed, hoping his dad wouldn't find him and beat him. I went, man, it was awful. I mean, I was shaken by the, what I saw. And about that time, there was a knock at my door and Mark come walking in, mad, ready to complain. He was ready to fight. He was ready to tell me everything we were doing wrong. I said, Mark, have a seat there. I said, Mark, I've been realizing that I am, I'm a man of authority in your life. Is that true? He goes, yeah, you're my pastor. I said, Mark, I was praying for you a few minutes ago. And I saw a nine-year-old boy hiding under his bed hoping that his dad wouldn't find him and beat him. And all your life, you have lashed out at any man in authority in your life, and you have projected that pain on every male authority figure in your life. And he, this, this is no joke, he fell out of his chair on the ground, sobbing. And I went over and laid my hands on him and said, Mark, I am so sorry that when you were nine years old, your dad was looking to beat you and harm you. And I want you to know I'm not here to harm you. 
I'm here to be your pastor. I love you. I will never harm you. I'm never going to hurt you. I'm never going to abuse you. I'm a safe man to share your life with. He sobbed. Listen, every time I go back to Texas, Mark it makes a beeline to find me. Hug me. We are the bestest of friends because of the gift of knowledge. Listen, this is what I'm talking about, the gift of knowledge. In fact, today, some of you are bewildered by, why are they acting that way? You ever ask that about a person? Why are they acting that way? Why? Well, the Holy Spirit knows. If you'll ask, he'll show you. I mean, I can tell you so many, I've been living my life like this for 30 years. I can tell you stories from this week about the, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom. We need it every single day. And then he says, there's a third gift he mentions. He talks about the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now listen very carefully. This is widely misunderstood in the church. And I'm going to take just a few minutes here to unpack this if you don't mind, because this is widely misunderstood. I believe the gift of faith is a special ability. Listen, this is possible, okay? I know this is going to sound impossible. You can be full of faith in every situation. Listen, this, this past week, it rattled me. It shook me, it upset me, it grieved me, but it did not rob me of my faith. It didn't rob me of faith. It's, and I'm going to show this to you, Hebrews 11. Faith, this is the definition of the Bible, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now leave that up just for a moment. There's two words here that you need to pay attention to. Okay, this is gonna help some of you immensely. The two words are sure and certain. To be sure and to be certain. In other words, a firm persuasion or conviction. Now all of you in this room and all of you watching online walked in here this morning, you had a firm persuasion or conviction about something. Can I read some of your social media? I know how persuaded some of you are. What are you sure and certain about this morning? What are you absolutely sure about? What are you absolutely certain about? Because that will determine how well you sleep tonight. That will determine the amount of joy that you can walk around with today. That will determine how passionately you're willing to pray. That will determine everything in your life. What is it after last week that you're still sure about? What is it after last week that you're still certain about? Our faith, listen very carefully, our faith rests on the settled issues of your life. I am sure, I am certain will determine your faith. Here's what I'm certain about. I'm certain that Christ is coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. I am certain that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against it. I am certain that I'm in the palm of his hand and no power of hell and no scheme of man can take me from the palm of his hand. I am certain of my salvation. I am sure of his scriptures. I am certain of his word. I am, I am absolutely convinced the church is still the hope of the living world. I am sure and I'm certain on those things. 
Therefore, therefore, if that's true, then the world, when it comes at us and pounds us with bad news, it doesn't shipwreck my faith. Because my faith is not built on circumstances. My, my faith is not built on headlines. My, my faith is certainly not built on social media likes or not likes. Or attendance or whatever it is that, whatever you're getting your affirmation from. So the Bible, when the Bible talks about faith, there are four phrases that come up over and over again. You write these down, okay? The Bible talks about no faith. The Bible talks about a little faith. The Bible talks about great faith. And then the Bible, on, a, on the rarest of occasions, uses the phrase full of faith. All right, I'm going to show you one story here, okay, that, that will help you understand what that means, full of faith. Matthew 8, a Roman, the enemy. Remember, who was occupying Israel at the time of Jesus? The Romans. Who, who, who were brutally crucifying Israel, Israel, Israeli people? Romans. So listen, let me just say this to you, okay? I'm not trying to make, cause trouble here. Maybe I am, but I'm not trying to, I could try harder if I wanted to. <laughs> just because they're in the other group doesn't mean God's not at work over there. Don't write off a whole group of people and call them godless when God may be doing some of his best work over there. Because this is the Roman centurion we're talking about. He was the bona fide enemy of Israel. He was killing people. The people around him were killing people. But something remarkable happened in this centurion's life somewhere. We don't know how it happened, but something happened in this man's life. Because the centurion said, Lord, I do not deserve. The centurion had a sick, a sick person at his house. And he asked Jesus, Jesus, would you come to my house? And Jesus, Jesus said, okay. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. You know, when you hear this, what's coming up next is the truth. When you hear that phrase, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whatever he says next is the truth. I don't, that's kind of only be Captain Obvious, but that's what he's saying. <laughs> I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with this much faith. Listen, this is, listen very carefully, okay? The measure of our faith, this is the, probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. The measure of our faith is not determined by the number of prayers we get answered, but by the amount of our lives we're willing to surrender. See, the story of the centurion was not that he had faith for the healing. He did have faith for the healing of his, of his, of his servant, right? That, and that's a good story. That's not what uh, astonished Jesus. You know how many people every day ask Jesus to heal them? Hundreds. Hundreds of people walked up to Jesus every day. Hey, would you heal my leg? Would you heal whatever? Jesus, you're our healer. Jesus, come heal us. Jesus, come over here and heal, heal, heal. Very few people were willing to surrender all of their authority and lives to him, though. See, faith is not wanting something from Jesus. Faith is giving everything you have to Jesus. So faith in the New Testament is always used to talk about faith in God, not just faith for an outcome. 
Listen, Jesus is not an ATM machine. He's not some fairy dust in the sky. He's Lord. He's Christ. He's King. He's the resurrected one, the ascended one. So if we're fixated only on results, you'll lose, you'll lose hope along the way. Because God doesn't work at things out all the time the way we want him to work things out, right? And if you're fixated on God doing what you want God to do, you're going to get mad at God at some point. Because God's God and we're not. So real faith, powerful faith says, I'm giving all of my life to this person of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I, I may not know how violence is going to get settled in our country. I, don't, I, don't wish, I wish I could come up here today and give you three steps that if we all did this, violence would go away. I don't know how. But I know who. I don't know how it can get settled. But I know who can settle it. I don't know how poor people can get liberated off the streets. I have some ideas, but I can't solve all those problems, but I know the one who can. So my faith and my hope ultimately rest in the person of God, because if that's where my faith is centered, then the outcomes and how things are happening around me won't unsettle me because my eyes are fixed. What does Hebrews says? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. That's why we at New Life Church, I'm calling you this morning on Memorial Day weekend. When we've had a, listen, 2020 was terrible. 2021 was terrible. And 2022 is not off to a great start. You know, we've had two and a half years of, of a lot of mourning and loss. And I, I'm concerned for the people of God that we've gotten distracted away from the very thing that can save us. The very thing that can restore us is right in front of us. But we're not looking at him. My faith today, listen, my faith today is in Christ and Christ alone. Over 30 times, listen to this, over 30 times in the New Testament, when faith is used, it's followed by a preposition. Faith in God. Faith in Christ. What's your faith in today? Where's your ultimate hope? What, what, are, you, what are you fixated on right now? I woke up this morning, same thing I've been praying for five and a half years. 5.45 a.m. this morning, I was awake. And I said, come, Holy Spirit. Come. I recognize my need for you. My hope is in you. And my faith is in you. Would you stand with me this morning? Stand up with me. I want to pray for you. Pray over you. Pray for you and with you. I want to ask you a question today. What is it? What do you need faith for today? I just felt this morning this is the moment I need to challenge you to pray. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? And if you're okay, would you just turn your hands toward heaven? And ask yourself, what is it? What have I put my hope in? On what have I placed my hope? In whom have I placed my hope? What do I trust most in my life? What am I certain about? What am I sure about? 
And I want you to now take a moment and confess that maybe you've been distracted maybe. Or if you're not, just say, Father, thank you for keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. Or if you, like me, have found yourself a bit distracted, could you just say, Father, I've been distracted. Now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me knowledge? And would you give me faith? Stir up those gifts in this room today, Lord. Stir them up in our hearts. Stir up faith. Stir up knowledge. Grant us wisdom. I want us to sing this song. This song is beautiful, it's powerful. Can we just sing it as a prayer, as a declaration? And in just a few minutes, Pastor Daniel is going to come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's worship together.
elements and be ready to receive. We're gonna go back into this bridge here in just a minute, the God who was and is to come, but this is the perfect moment to come to the table of the Lord. And this is why we do this every week, because at the end of our services, we're saying we come to Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Only Jesus can fix this. And I think the great delusion of our time is, as Brady was mentioning, that when life gets difficult, we start believing in the economy. <laughs> we start believing in our political parties. We, oh, if we could just flip the Senate, if we could just do this, if we could just do that, if we could just, no. We believe in God whose son is Jesus Christ, who was crucified, but on the third day rose again, and who ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But in the meantime, he sent his spirit to fill us, and we are not powerless. We believe in God, we believe in God, we believe in God. When we come to the table of the Lord, we say, Jesus Christ, only you can fix this. And so friends, today, would you just begin to adore Jesus? Would you begin to worship him? Would you begin to give him your allegiance afresh? Would you begin to say, Jesus, we need you and we long for you and we call on your name, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hands? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I will feed you. I will take care of you. I will be your provider. I have not left you. He said, every time you do this, remember me. So Jesus, we remember that you are the one you were and you are and you are to come. You have conquered the grave and we worship you today. We put our faith in you, Jesus. You may receive the bread, church. On the night he was betrayed, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it is for the remission of your sins. Church, today is a new beginning, a fresh start. There's forgiveness, there's deliverance, there's grace, there's joy. As we drink this cup today, it's, it's a new start. And I want you to receive that today by faith, that Jesus actually meant it when he said it, your sins have been forgiven you, you may receive the cup. Church, before we leave, I want us to worship our way out of here. I want us to lift our hands. If you need to shout, shout. If you need to dance, dance. Let's sing, the God who was and is to come. The God who was and is to come.
church, would you open your hands today to receive the blessing of God, the blessing that changes everything, to be sent out. We're not just letting you leave. God is sending you out today. And so today I pray, may the Lord our God bless you. May he keep you. In a crazy world, may he keep you. <laughs> we need to be kept. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he make his face to shine upon you. Pray you'd feel his smile this week. That his face would radiate on your face. May he be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And I pray that he would grant you shalom. Peace, 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 peace. Peace be still for you and in you this week and all around you. We pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? What a great 75 minutes in the house of God. I'm so glad I came today. I hope you are too. Our prayer team's coming down. If you have any prayer needs, we would love to agree with you in prayer first Wednesday this week at 6.30 right in this room. And if you're new, come see us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go in God's grace and peace. Much love.